you are listening to a Geek Network interview. Be sure to hit the follow button to get notified when a new episode is available. You can also visit us at geek-network.com for your guide to the geek entertainment news you love. Created for geeks, by geeks, and remember to always geek responsibly. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and uh, good evening. Uh, as always, this is Daniel, just uh, having another amazing guest today. Uh, so today I am joined by Kaylee McKee. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing all right. Nose is a little stuffy, so forgive that. <laughs> we'll blame it on allergies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the cold. <laughs> we can call it either or both. It probably is both. <laughs> so you were at the Ren Fair. How was the Ren Fair this weekend? It was phenomenal. I have uh, several friends who work the Ren Fair, uh, so I got to see them and enjoy their performances. Uh, I saw a lot of my friends, uh, even many that I didn't expect to see, uh, many colleagues, other voice actors, and uh, I had a lot of fun. Nice. Man, I love the Ren Fair as well, so I'm glad you got to yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> I'm slowly trying to build a uh, a like naval witch captain outfit Ooh, <laughs> and uh, it's starting to come together <laughs> nice <laughs> so uh i know you've briefly touched on this um especially meeting you in person uh with naval witch captain uh possibly bringing that character to life in D D anytime soon uh so i actually do already play a uh a triton swashbuckler uh that is multi-classed with graviturgy wizard yeah so uh she she, and and she captains a ship that we just got uh like six months ago we got this ship so she is now a magic swashbuckling captain and uh she's like my main uh D character that i've been playing for three or four years now uh we started in mythic odysseys of theros uh which is the one of the magic the gathering uh dnd settings and we have since like all sparked and we're planeswalkers and we uh, we're currently in Zendikar. I don't know if you know much about Magic the Gathering lore, but uh, me and my friends all really enjoy that lore. So uh, we were very happy that we got to play through some of that in D&D, that they officially supported it. And uh, we've been playing that campaign for a few years now. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because... You know, uh, D&D campaigns sometimes don't make it that long, you know, not a big run. So that's pretty that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's with my friends from uh, back home that I grew up with. Uh, my my best friend since the age of four is the DM and we uh, we play it online over. Uh, we were on Roll20, but now we're on uh, the Foundry VTT. OK. Yep. So we've all been dedicated to it for, you know. Uh, a long time since high school and luckily we all care enough that we kept going despite different work schedules and all that it's lovely when you can all make it come together and make a dnd session work <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, i mean speaking of that stuff i actually will start to be doing uh dungeons and dragons content online uh i already ran an event with alamo draft house okay. and uh more may be coming there and I also have some other stuff in the pipeline. So watch out for that, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. That's a good plug. I will watch out for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of my biggest questions for you is um, at UwuCon, 
um, at the panel that we hosted, uh, you did mention uh-huh. that you started blowing up during the pandemic. Um, that's when you started getting your first big role. And then, you know, just kind of your career kind of just kicked off of that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and like how it all happened? Yeah. So I got picked up by CESD in January of 2020. Uh, so what I thought it would look like ended up being very different from what it did look like because I, I got, I signed with them in January and then the world shut down in March. Uh, and that caused me to look at things in a different way than what I planned on doing. Uh, cause what I was doing before and excuse me, let me blow my nose. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> All right. So what I was doing before was, uh, I would go into CESD's office and audition in the booths that they had there. However, when the pandemic hit, we could no longer do that. And in fact, after a couple of months, they shut down their on-site studios. And uh, luckily, some of the equipment that was there, my agent let me buy to help set up my home booth. And everything was done from there. Uh, it, it, it was a process because at the time, my desk was in this booth space I created, but I separated them uh, so that it had more sound treating and and it was less cluttered, had more space for me to stand and perform. Uh, but it, it ultimately was very helpful, I think, in the fact that it needed to be done, but I didn't quite have the money to get there. Mm-hmm. And they sold me stuff at a discount. Gotcha. Uh, and then basically I had nothing that I could do I told myself, I can't go anywhere. I can't see anybody. So what can I do other than put my nose to the grindstone and just work, just work and work and work, learn new skills, hone my acting and uh, just really, really get at it. And luckily it paid off. Uh, I feel like my skill improved a lot in those first like six to eight months uh, and especially that first year that we were in the pandemic because I was just working, working, working. I wasn't meeting any of my colleagues. I wasn't like any of that. Uh, And I'm so glad that I can now, but it's almost like I got an incubation period where I was just like in the hyperbolic time chamber, like training. (laughs) And then, yeah, then I could emerge and actually meet my, my fellows. And uh, it was, it was really cool uh, and, and I mean, COVID was so unfortunate, but, I, but I'm really glad that there was that silver lining. And, uh, it also meant that once con circuits started happening, you know, before COVID, I was not notable enough for a convention. Uh, but then during COVID, I built up all of these roles. And then after COVID ended, I had the notability and cons wanted me. And it was like perfect timing, especially because cons started back up right around when JJK Zero uh, released in theaters. And it was uh, serendipitous, I suppose. (laughs) And honestly, with uh, working and recording at home and then going out to the studio, what is your preference? I mean, with anime, you don't really get to interact with a lot of your coworkers or your colleagues because... You know, it's already been dubbed. So you're just in the studio looking at, you know, the video. You know how it works. So uh, what do you prefer? (laughs) You're okay. So being in the studio is by far my preference. Uh, Many, many of my colleagues like recording from home more. My roommate likes recording from home more. Uh, I'm roommates with Melly Grant. Uh, 
but I prefer going in studio. And the biggest reason is that if there's a tech issue, it's not my fault. <laughs> and uh, I don't have to stress about that. I, I I like tech. I like computer tech is the thing. I like building towers. Uh, I worked at Newegg when I first came to California. But mm. all of this audio tech and the cables and the mixers and stuff, I do it because I have to. If I didn't have to fuck with it, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> And so, sorry. <laughs> the next thing too is okay. So how how did it exactly work um, with recording at home? Um, not having the director, you know, right next to you, right in front of you, telling you like, oh no, you should say it this way. How did that go? Recording during the pandemic. <laughs> well, it went about twenty different ways because <laughs> everyone was trying to figure out how they were going to do it. Uh, we used. ID, uh, IPDTL uh, over Chrome. We used Source Connect Now for some studios. We use Source Connect Pro for some studios. Uh, Crunchyroll uses Source Connect Now. They don't even use Pro because Pro has such a delay, which is wild. Uh, <laughs> and either you pair it with Zoom to see the script or you pair it with uh, Team Viewer, Microsoft Team Viewer to see the script, or you pair it with both to see one to see the script and one to see uh vi video of the anime it's a uh -huh. whole like everybody has a different process and it's it's just like it was chaos it was the wild west everybody was like this might work so let's <laughs> do it this way and everybody found a different way that kind of worked for them uh -huh. and then they stuck to that and so every single time i booked it'd be something different uh but always it's like for anime we had video we had the script we had the director remoting in and the engineer remoting in with them or not with them. Sometimes they were in the same room as the engineer. Sometimes they weren't. And that caused its own problems. Uh, and that we just whatever would work. <laughs> and with uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it. <laughs> Luckily, you know, we we got Zoom and uh, we got podcasts to communicate this way. <laughs> which, yeah. You know. I think Zoom would have been pretty okay during the pandemic to record that way. <laughs> That's yeah, just me, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, Zoom helped for... Zoom was good for video. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they had to... The bit rate was too high. There was too much stuff on screen, so they had to uh, shrink the screen. And then the bit rate would be able to handle itself better because it's dealing with less pixels with that much action. Uh, and then Source Connect Pro or Source Connect Now usually or IPDTL those were the three big ones if you didn't have uh, a hard phone line connection that and nobody does these days uh <laughs> that we would use for actually recording the audio because it's a lot higher quality and you need that high quality for the final product uh but using source connect pro which people thought would be better studios thought would be better uh the delay was so massive that from the director's side, they'd be like, all right, let's do this line. And then there's three beeps in, in anime, three beeps. Then you fill the flaps. It'd be like, boop, boop, boop. And now, <laughs> now is when they actually start to hear us. Like the delay was horrible. Uh, and that really sucks when you're trying to record something where filling flaps and timing of already animated video is very, very, very important. <laughs> it was this it was a whole mess <laughs> so when it comes to uh recording 
anime and video games um honestly what is your preference what would you you know what do you prefer to dub huh well is particularly uh, i'll i'll take i'll i'll answer it with uh video games that are also being dubbed that were produced in japan because i think they're more uh well i'll separate that from video <laughs> games that aren't right because you kind of dub those video games as well but it's different uh but what do i prefer that's a tough one honestly if <laughs> If I were to answer entirely honestly, it really just depends on how hype I am for it, regardless <laughs> if it's an anime or a video game. Like, I was already a fan of Jujutsu Kaisen when I got cast as Yuta, so I was super, super, super hype. Uh, but when it's like an unknown, like nobody cares about it anime that is just one of the billions that Crunchyroll is dubbing, I don't care as much. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but I still... I still put in all of the effort that I would for Jujutsu mm -hmm. Kaisen, but you know, in my heart of hearts, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, I, I just use it to have fun and, you know, be creative and do a creative thing. Like do my, do my career that I love with the director and, you know, experience that I, I'm not, I'm not hype about it on like a, on like the level of being both a professional and a fan. And, and when I am those, both of those things at once, that's definitely when I'm just like quaking in my soul. And, <laughs> uh, and I really am loving that I get to do this. Uh, so the same thing happened though with, uh, Hearthstone because mm -hmm. I was a lifelong World of Warcraft player and, um, not to as much of a degree, but it definitely was happening with Guilty Gear. I was not as familiar with Guilty Gear, but I had played it and I, I did really like it. And, uh, a lot of my friends played Strive, and so I was very excited to be in that as well. Uh, and same with Beastars. So it's really, and and some other things that I can't talk about. <laughs> uh, so it's really just kind of, you know, is the fan in me also squeeing? And if so, that's what I prefer to be. Gotcha. <laughs> and for video games, what is, uh, you know, your preference like fighting? You know, are you more into like RPGs? To like play? Yeah. Huh. Okay. So my favorite games are action puzzle games. Okay. I love Portal and Portal 2. Um, and I love Half-Life and Half-Life 2 and Half-Life 2, episode one and two. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, but I also aside from puzzle games, uh my favorite my favorite games are FPS, uh, but they have to be the right FPS. I like I like Halo more than Call of Duty. I like yes. when it's I like uh sci-fi and non-realism in an FPS more than I am I am military Fred man with an AR15. Like I <laughs> I, I I played tons of Call of Duty because my friends were into it when I was younger, but I was never I was never into it as much as they were. They were just like they were just like Come on, haven't you prestiged this seventeenth time yet? And we're just like, no, I'm on like two. Uh, like I, I can't, I can't put the time in like you can on this. Um, yeah, agreed. The the community is is very toxic in in some of those things, uh, especially when when uh, you know I would try to play the my friends would drag me into Call of Duty like matchmaking, and I would I would just be hearing you camper. You camper, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slap your mom silly. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, this, this isn't for me. <laughs> uh, 
And then I really like I really like JRPGs. Um, it takes a special JRPG. I mean, as much as I, most of the JRPGs I like are very mainstream, but it's a vibe that I go for. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than Pokemon, Pokemon always gets my purchase, and yes. I, I hate that that is the case. <laughs> but I've been playing it. I got Pokemon Red when I was five years old. When I turned five, which was a few months after it released in the U.S. Uh, so I've been playing since the beginning. Mostly my dad got Pokemon Red for himself. Let's be honest. <laughs> he let me play it when he was done. Um, uh, and then I've been playing Pokemon ever since. Uh, but aside from that, it's weird. But I, I really like, I mean, I really like like tropical JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Like uh, your your Chrono Crosses and your uh, your your FF9s and 10s and like... <laughs> Uh, like to to a certain degree, some of the Tales games, Tales of Asperia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I like that like I don't know very poppy vibe on JRPGs. Uh, but I love when they have a story that will still you know grip you really hard. Uh, things like Chrono Cross are super 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 nostalgic for me because when uh my dad would bring me to uh when he was like going to be playing uh tabletop with his friends and they had this whole really cool like setup that was that was made to look like an adventurer's club uh all like wood and suits of armors in the corner and weapons overhead and these wooden beams they would lock shut themselves in that room and uh one of my you know my dad's other friends that had kids particularly one one kid uh named bell uh, rebellion she was a good good friend that we would hang out all the time because you know our parents are being nerds in the other room so we should be nerds out here and we would watch <laughs> anime and uh i would watch her play chrono cross a lot and uh it's that game's super nostalgic for me um so yeah that kind of stuff and then last on my upper tier echelon list are open world immersive action rpgs like the elder scrolls games the fallout games uh outer worlds mass effect jack dragon age uh and indie platformer like celeste so five five genres i think (laughs) i listed there you did (laughs) but i just really like gaming (laughs) hey that's fine i we're big fans too jackie and i um and also indie games don't get a love a lot of love and appreciation so yeah. So I'm glad you threw out the uh, threw that out there. But you did open up the door, so I am curious. <laughs> so um, you know, if you had to pick your party is six Pokemon, what uh six Pokemon would be in your party? Okay. Okay. It depends on if I am a if I am if I'm theming it as a excuse me, as a gym leader, an elite four member, uh, a champion. Which can have kind of a hodgepodge, or like just picking my six favorite Pokemon. Those are all different answers. <laughs> I want to hear them all. <laughs> okay, I've worked this out before. If I were a gym leader, I would be Water type, and I would have a uh, Feraligator. Yes, Free <laughs> Marina. Um, probably Gyarados, specifically Red Gyarados, because my God, do I love Gen two. <laughs> uh Milotic and two more. I'm I'm actually just gonna pull up I'm going to pull up the water type Pokemon so I can remember. <laughs> for alligator though, for alligator is my boy. He's my permanent boy. 
He I is love a him beast. dearly. <laughs> <laughs> I always name my Totodile Chomsky. <laughs> and uh, I love him very much. Oh, yes. Uh, so just for the... Uh, they've always been one of my favorite walls. I would do uh, Azumarill for my fifth. Oh. And I try to steer away from legendaries, right? I try to steer away from legendaries on my team, uh, which means I can't pick Suicune, even though I love Suicune. Or Kyogre. Um, <laughs> but yeah, or or Kyogre. Um, but my last one would probably be Galisapod. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I really like Galisapod. I always have. Just, the, I mean you know, since sun and moon, uh, the like samurai style giant isopod. Uh, I really, really, really like marine life. So that's why water types, um, are, are my gym leader pick, but my elite four pick is, uh, it would be ghost types. Ooh, yes. <laughs> because I love me some ghosty and, uh, it would be Miss Mages as, uh, like my pick number one. And then Gengar. Yes. <laughs> because hell yeah. Uh, Alolan Marowak. Okay. And uh, Hisui and Zoroark as four. Aegislash as five. And Runragus as six. I Or Ceruledge. Ceruledge might be edging his way in there uh, with, with his beautiful edginess uh <laughs> the new gen added some really good ghost types uh cerulege and annihilate and skeledurge are both like mwah, choice ghost types <laughs> nice <laughs> and then my favorites would be this one i allow legendaries uh it would be shiny celebi it would be feraligator it would be milotic um it would be Miss Magus. So like, you know, people from several different ones, but that shiny Celebi yeah. is a very important addition. Um, ever since I had a shining Celebi card as a kid, because mm -hmm. uh, they, they called the cards shining instead of shiny at first. And they uh -huh. had the rarity of three stars. Uh, and I loved my shining Celebi. And then, and then shiny Celebi was in, uh, was in Mystery Dungeon Explorers of Time and Darkness. And I loved them there as well. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know. I've just always loved Shining Celebi. <laughs> and then, uh, so that's that's four, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mega Charizard X. Okay. Love, love that edgy boy. I, I know Charizard <laughs> is very stereotypical, but specifically Mega Charizard X, where he's black and blue is just like peak peak design for me um and then i literally just had it i'm trying to remember <laughs> what i've already said okay celebi for alligator Melotech. and the thing is like i love the shinies of all of these too so if i have shinies ugh, god that and that makes it really hard not to say red gyarados because i really like red gyarados and i also had a red gyarados a shining gyarados card and a the the shiny Gyarados card that was uh it was gold star uh the gold star delta species fire type shiny Gyarados card I had that and I loved it and I had a shining Magikarp card uh Whoa. yeah <laughs> I, my my Pokemon card uh collection by the way my first one got destroyed in a flood oh no uh, not a flood uh well so the it had flooded. And I was in a car with my collection because I was selling a few. Mm -hmm. And then 
uh, the driver hydroplaned and flipped over into <gasps> a flooded cornfield. We did a double rollover. Holy Somehow God. I was not hurt at all, but I think it was like, it was like, it was like the, the monkey's paw, like the, the finger curled, <laughs> like, cause I was wishing like, I, I saw it coming. We were approaching the, the ditch and I was like, just wake up uninjured so I can help. And the monkey's paw curled and it said, all right, I'll take your cards. And wow. we landed in the flooded cornfield and they all were destroyed from water damage. Um, <sighs> but then I had another collection that I, that I built over some years, collecting them from my friends who were done with Pokemon cards and stuff. And I sold it to Aaron Hansen and he essentially paid for my SAG-AFTRA membership because it's $3,000 just to enter the Jesus. Yeah. So I sold that to him and he, I wouldn't have been able to join SAG-AFTRA if it weren't for him, which I'm very grateful. And I I like took a picture of my, of me with my card afterward and sent it to him. And I'm like, hell yeah, thanks. (laughs) Um, But uh, that's, that's a long way of going around actually answering my final one. (laughs) Um, which, you know, I think I'll just say Gyarados. Uh, if I remember the other one I was going to say later, I will I will just shout it while you're asking me a different question. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, you know, and uh, you had a couple of shinies in there. Um, you know, I, I hate when Pokemon gets lazy and the shiny version is very not impressive. <laughs> oh, God. OK, so the thing is, uh, there was a they would pick out ones to handcraft the shinies. Right. Mm-hmm. But. Initially, for the first, I think, three gens that Shinies existed, which was uh, two, three, and four, they had an algorithm. It's been worked out. There's There was an algorithm to determine the Shiny. and uh, But they would pick out ones that they would hand select the colors for. But so many Pokemon that were deserving of handpicked Shiny colors didn't get one because they just ran them through the algorithm and called it done. And it's always been... It's always been a travesty to me that they haven't gone back and put put in the effort to change. I guess they've been those shinies have looked like that for so long that they were worried that they don't want to change it. But some shinies have changed over time. And, you know, I I, I think if they were if they did it for those, they could do it for others. Right. You know, they deserve it. Some of them (laughs) agree. And. With um, you did mention uh, your SAG after us. So a lot of um animes and video games. Um, I mean, some of my Resident Evil cast got recast um because they're non-union. So with um, with that being said, uh, with a lot of animes, uh, a lot of shows being non-union, um, but still being part of SAG after you too, you too. I remember. Okay, <laughs> I I told you I just shout it. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Go ahead, Mewtwo or or Noctowl. I actually really like Noctowl. Noctowl I, I found awesome. I found my document from five years ago that has my top fifty Pokemon. So it doesn't have a couple wow. of gens in it. <laughs> but I had I listed at that time for Alligator, Ms. Magus, Ninetales, Alolan, Ninetales, uh, Gengar, Alolan, Marowak, Shiny Gyarados, Kabutops, Mewtwo, uh, Mega X Charizard, Noctowl, Ampharos, Umbreon, Slowking, Scizor, Tyranitar, Lugia, Shiny Celebi, Shiny Mightyena. Uh, Mega Gardevoir and Breloom were the top 20 at that time. Anyway, continue with with SAG-AFTRA. So yeah, a lot of anime is, um, and a lot of uh, uh, animation is uh, uh, non-union. So how, you know, what do you wish that could change about that? 
I mean, what I wish would change was that it was union, but it's really hard to do when Crunchyroll slash the hollowed out corpse of Funimation are in Texas, where labor laws are so lax and it's a right to work state. Um, you know, for a while, Crunchyroll's headquarters was actually here in L.A. And so they were doing more union anime. But when they merged with Funimation, Sony, their parent company, was like, well, Funimation's in Texas, huh? Hmm, we can pay people a lot less if we just uh, moved in there. And they did. They merged everything into Funny's offices in Dallas. And uh, that's great for the actors who are in Dallas, because historically it's been one of the two major scenes for voiceover, particularly in anime, because Funimation was there. Mm -hmm. It's great that their work is staying there for them, but it sucks for them and everyone else that it happens to be in Texas uh, because the labor laws are so crap and uh, they can get paid 88 for an hour. And I, well, you know, we're sitting here when I work a union gig, I go in for a couple hours and make a thousand bucks. Like, wow. it's the, the disparity is wild. Yeah. Um, and that's for a union game to be clear. Union anime is not doing much better, but it is doing better. Uh, and really, I just wish it was all union. And particularly, I wish that SAG-AFTRA had better agreements for anime dubbing because anime brings in so much money. It's not 2010 anymore. Anime right. is is a very mainstream aspect of American entertainment. It's not It's not some novelty import. It is part of our culture in America now. It is. It is like a major wedge of the entertainment we consume, which means it deserves to be paid as such. But all of the studios have been paying like crap for so long that they want things to stay the same despite the changes in the marketplace. And that's not how it's supposed to work. But because of how gutted labor laws are in general uh, via the federal and and different states, and because of how... Let's be honest, just how uh, our our current situation of capitalism is, it, it's, <laughs> they, they, they're just going to keep paying like that. And uh, so, yeah, I, I wish things would be union and I wish that there was a better union contract that was more akin to network TV, uh, particularly because anime, most anime is streaming, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's the same thing with any Netflix show or animation or animation on HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, that I that I may or may not have signed contracts about is because it's network or because it's not network. It's not airing on cable, quote, quote, cable, actual <laughs> TV as as the 80 year old sitting in their golden thrones deem. Uh, there are no royalty. There's no uh, network scale pay. It's all web media contracts, which which operates under SAG after a new media which was created in like 2006 or seven uh, to handle web series before all of your highest budget shows were actually going to web streaming and not cable. And so we're operating on this, this arca these archaic contracts and concepts of what mainstream media is and where it's going. And that allows them to pay us as if we're doing low budget you know, web series that are some side small studio 
that aren't real TV. And it's it's horrible. And that's actually what the writer's strike right now is about as well, which I wholly support. It's the same thing. They have they have web series con- uh, contracts. And so they also aren't getting uh, royalties. They aren't even being brought to set, which is very, very important for writers of live action shows, but also a- animated shows. Uh, the writers aren't being the writer rooms are tiny, tiny. They keep trying to shrink them to like, like two people writing entire series, which one overworks the writers they have. And two means new writers never get in the door mm-hmm. uh, and they can do that because they're on web series contracts. And it's it's horrible. And clearly the the face of TV has changed. We need to change it with it. And we need to get fucking paid so we can live. (laughs) The biggest thing is, uh, I don't know if swearing is allowed, but. Oh, no, you're okay. Okay. That's totally fine. (laughs) The biggest thing is, yes, everything they touched on, but royalties. You guys need royalties. You know, you need those residuals. Yep. A lot of people don't understand that, like. The show's been airing, you know, for X amount of months. You guys need that, you know, that con- uh, consistent paycheck. And I wish yeah. that happened for you guys. I and- wish it did as well. I'm all <laughs> over Netflix and I see nothing from it. Uh, in fact, you know, like your your Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, Disney, I may mm-hmm. have worked with one of them on a show that was going on their streaming platform and thus they didn't have to give me royalties despite how fucking massive they are so that's just very frustrating that i look at it and i'm just like you can't build you can't build monetary momentum anymore as Mm -hmm. an actor it's just like it's unless you are acting in live action theater films which is such a small little slice and they're mm-hmm. casting only these major major celebrities because i was going to say i was going to say theater films mm-hmm. but i'm sitting here the main character in in the english dub of, of a major theater theatrical film and i you know i didn't see anything from that yeah so and that was actually a whole big thing on the internet everybody was like it sucked it sucked to get such a major role and then become the poster child of being underpaid and i didn't even like try to make a big deal about it I, I didn't say a lot about it online at first people just like picked up on it and heard about it and the internet which i'm very grateful for that they that they heard about it and then just like went on a campaign about it like the fandom actually actually talked about it a lot and and I, it was very very nice to see although i knew it wouldn't do anything um <laughs> And it just, it, I just kind of sat there and I was like, so this is what I'm known for. Awesome. <laughs> I'm known for making $600 for a, you know, a hundred million dollar film. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I trust me. It, it, it blows my mind <laughs> every, every time. <laughs> and um, I had this conversation with uh, Kyle Hebert, um, and it's just, I hate how Hollywood is casting big actor names for their animated movies when they should just stick to the professionals when they should agreed to you guys agreed um it there's there's there was a turning point in the history of animated films uh and it was casting robin williams as the genie yeah and uh uh i i have no disrespect to robin because he actively didn't want that to be the case in fact in his contract 
he had it stipulated that that Disney would not use him to advertise the movie uh, because he saw that it was a slippery slope and he really respected uh, voice artists. And Mm he he uh, thought that our expertise was the best to have in those roles. Uh, It was, you know, they cast him because Robin uh, had taken a lot of training that that allowed him to perform very well as a voice artist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it was he felt it was a unique situation. And uh, and he, you know, he he wanted to be part of part of that world. Uh, He, (laughs) you know, he really liked animation. Uh, it wasn't just a paycheck. And he said, don't use me to advertise because I don't want this to start being a trend where you just pull people for their names. And Disney was like, yeah, totally. We won't. We won't do that. And then they went and did it. And he was pissed. And uh, he he actually shot, fired shots at the Disney execs for like the rest of his <laughs> career. Um, but that was the turning point. And since then, it's just gotten worse and worse. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you know, Voice artists, voiceover actors. You guys need a lot more love, and you know I'm here to I get that. It. <laughs> and, uh, and Kyle, by the way, you you mentioned Kyle, and uh, he I sat next to him my first convention I ever did, and really? uh, he is he's just an absolute sweetheart, and he taught me, he gave me so much information. Uh, him and Lex Lang really really helped me, uh, just gave me a crash course on the con scene and what I should be doing. Uh, that first convention, and that helped so much. That's very very kind. Yeah. Uh, did you meet Lex um, at UwuCon or uh, have you met him uh, previously? Uh, I met Lex at Anime Riverside. That okay. was the same one that I was sitting next to. It was, it was, the table was, Anaris was to my right, mm-hmm. who plays Rika. Wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, and and uh, they had AJ, AJ Beckles uh, with her, who is, who's their partner. And uh, AJ is also phenomenal. Love, love him to death. Uh, and it was all three of our, I think maybe AJ had done a con. But it was it was uh, it was like very fresh in the con scene. And then to my left was Kyle Bear, and then Alejandro Saab, who's who's also a friend, and then uh, Lex Lang. Okay. And so having and Alejandro had also done many many cons. And so having those three that I could just like talk to uh, was super super awesome. And on the other side of the of the um, autograph hall was uh, was I think it was it was Miley. So massive line for Naruto and uh, I forgot who else. I, I think it was other Naruto actors. Okay. Um, and so that was always super crowded over there. <laughs> and it meant that there was actually some time sometimes uh, when Kyle didn't have a line and I, and we just got to talk um, because they, they had to start lining up people up just to get into the hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was actually the line for Naruto. Jesus. And so yeah, so people were trickling in uh for in, in general. They couldn't just come in for us. So we had time that we had to that we could wait and talk, which isn't great monetarily, but it, it for probably for Kyle and Lex. But it did mean I get to talk got to talk to them and uh and get a lot of advice from them. Nice. Yeah. And you know, we're coming up close to time. I would love to keep you here more if I could. But uh my final question for you is if you could give your uh, your younger self any piece of advice, um, what you know advice would that be? If you think that it is impossible, try it anyway. Damn, well said. <laughs> <laughs> Lex, what is is a very is a sweetheart. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, that that is um that that would be my advice. Is if you think it's impossible, try it anyway, because then at least you've tried. 
And, and when I say try, I don't mean just like try it for a couple of days and then give up. I mean, like dedicate time to it. Um, because there are many, many aspects of my career that I thought were impossible. And then I just decided to put my head down and do it. And then it happened. And I surprised myself. I surprised myself over and over and over. And, you know, I don't regret the the time that I did it in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if I could have done it earlier, you know, that would have been nice um, and not let fear dictate some some of the uh, the things that I do. Wow. Again, well said. <laughs> well spoken. <laughs> And uh, lastly, um, just want to go ahead and say this. Um, so our socials are at GeeksAZ. Um, our website is geek-network.com. So you can find uh, other podcasts like this, uh, other interviews, uh, other sessions. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my social media is at Daniel across all, all platforms. And then uh, so Kaylee. Uh, would you like to uh, plug in your socials and any upcoming projects that, you know, you can talk about without breaking NDA or any conventions you have coming up that we can go ahead and uh, see you at? Of course. Uh, next week, I don't know if you'll have this out in time, but I will be in Albuquerque, New Mexico for a convention. Uh, I have some other conventions coming up this year. Uh, you can find me at at GaspyVO. That's G-H-A-S-P-E-Y-V-O on twitter instagram tiktok i mostly just browse on tiktok and do (laughs) filters that's really mostly what i upload is just me playing with filters uh so like don't follow me if you're expecting uh high high level content there um uh but yeah it's at gatsby vo on all of those and that's about it as far as projects it's hard because you're always under nda uh (laughs) but if you can watch the one piece stub that is a new thing that has come out recently that I love being a part of. And uh, watch JJK when season two finally drops, because that show deserves your attention as well yes. as V-Star season three. But who knows when that's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. I had a lot of fun and I hope you have a great day. I'm glad. Thank you for having me. You as well. Right. Thank you. <laughs> 